BetOnline is your number one source for all your championship finals, info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup reports for this year's NBA and Stanley Cup finals. BetOnline is your sports intel headquarters this season as we have you covered for all your insider sports wagering needs. From basketball and hockey to MLB, UFC, and boxing. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your home. Get into the action today. Head to the website or use your mobile device to join and be sure to use our promo code BLEAV to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. What's up, H Town? Welcome to the Believe in Astros podcast, your home for all things Astros. With your hosts, sports writer Jeff Balky and Astros broadcaster and former third baseman Jeff Blob. Now, here's Balky and Blubber. What is up, Astros fans? Welcome to episode 74 of the Believe in Astros podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. I'm Jeff Balky alongside my partner, Jeff Blum, looking fresh-faced after his day <laughs> off. First day off in a while, Blummer. How are you this morning? Uh, fantastic. Never take for granted a day off, especially after playing 17 straight. The team looked like it. I felt oh. like it. And hopefully this is a new beginning. Yeah, let's hope so, because woo, that was a tough stretch there at the end. Mm. My goodness. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and of course on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe and uh, keep up with us as you uh, give us a follow on Twitter and on Instagram at Believe in Astros. You can find me at Jeff Balky and Blummer at Blummer27 all over social media. Also, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, keep you updated and alerted to new videos. Thanks to everyone who's given us five stars and left reviews on Apple. Uh, thanks to all our people who are watching all over the world. I know last week, because we did the uh, Canadian Rush episode, we had a little boost in our Canadian baseball watchers. There we go. <laughs> which is always go, good. Eh? Hey, you know what? It's it, Sometimes you just need a little Getty. In your life to uh, help, to help those uh, Canadians uh, enjoy you. So, hey, Canadians should enjoy us, period. We're awesome. Let's be Damn honest. Right. Um, anyway, we love seeing all your comments. Obviously, read them all and all your questions. For example, is Bluebell Dr. Pepper ice cream really any good, Blummer? And that's a question that's I right. have. I Man, saw you try it. I saw you try it. And here's the – I like the Mr. Pib reference, which is <laughs> – Excellent. Mad. It was funny. That caused a serious reaction it. for some people. Dude, I loved them both growing up. So I, I was a huge Dr. Pepper fiend when I was a kid. Yeah, um, my kids are too. And uh, I don't drink them anymore. I can't drink all that caffeine and sugar. It just... No, the sugar gets me. I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, I can't mm. do it. I can't do it. For me, like I um, I have a skipped heartbeat, right? I take medication. It's fine. It's not anything serious. The doctor was like, you know, it's no big deal. Lots of people get it. Oh, but yeah, it's no big deal. Yeah, well, that's what I said. She, this is what she told me. She said when I went to the cardiologist, I went and when I was 50, I went to the cardiologist so, uh, a few years ago. And uh, I, I, my dad had had a heart disease. My dad had pretty serious health problems. The rest of his family, very healthy. But he, uh, I went out and thought, you know, let's just give it a checked out. Let's just check it out just to make sure. Heart mm-hmm. in great shape, thankfully. No problems with that. But I had a skipped heartbeat. And my doctor said, it does, it's not a big deal. A lot of people have it. She goes, you just don't want to have it more than 25% of the time, which seems like a lot for a skipped Dude. heartbeat. And she said that um, the only thing, if you do, it can lead to 
weak heart, which I do not like the sound of at all. So, uh, so I take anti-anxiety medication for it. It worked like a charm. No more skipped heartbeat. All good. That's good news. But caffeine and anything else just exacerbates my levels of anxiety and jitteriness. It's not good. When I was a kid, I used to pound Dr. Peppers like they were water. (laughs) It just can't have been good for me. But so tell me about Dr. Pepper and Bluebell, though. That is, I mean, you figure they would combine. I mean, one's from Waco, one's from Brenham. It kind of makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. And you you know what? I heard about it. You know, you find out out about these things on TikTok and Instagram. Mm -hmm. And my kids, I, I come home from the road trip. My kids finally have their hands on, you know, a pint of this stuff or whatever it is, the gallon or whatever, half, half gallon. gallon. And uh, I, I pull it out and everybody was like, oh my gosh, she ate out of the cart. And I'm like, yeah, I took one <laughs> bite. <laughs> it's like, and you know, everybody's like, oh my gosh, you yelled at your wife. I'm like, no, we were having a good time. But <laughs> it, it tasted, it tasted like a flat Dr. Pepper. It had the flavor, but obviously they can't create the fizz or whatever's in there. So right. it just tasted like a flat Dr. Pepper. It was great. But I knew that the Dr. Pib comment would kind of set some Texans off. So I had some fun with it. I tell you what, first of all, uh, don't underestimate the power of flat Dr. Pepper. Basically, it's like <laughs> it's like an all syrup Dr. Pepper, right? When you get it out that, of the That's fountain. exactly right. Yeah. Oh, but they also set it with that bluebell vanilla that is so good. I know. And it's beautiful. I still I struggle enjoyed with, it. I still struggle with bluebell a little bit. My food phobia is over the like the fear of listeria. Like the last thing I need is oh, a little no. listeria in my ice cream. But I will say that bluebell Dr. Pepper is something that would intrigue me into a spoonful. And um, and it's funny that everybody got upset first about eating out of the carton. Who doesn't eat out of the damn carton? Seriously, like come, come on. on, man! It's not like we're Just serving a group of strangers, else. right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's your wife, it's your kids. I mean, if they're, I gonna... got my DNA all over this place. Exactly, exactly. So, like, <laughs> people, I think people germ out a little too much anyway. But that's just me. I mean, of oh, course, no I, I I grew up I grew up going fishing with my dad, where we would eat like Vienna sausages out of a can and sandwiches with fish guts all over our fingers. So, like, there you go. whatever. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm saying, like, back in my day, <laughs> these kids. No, these what days, are all those Gen X? Those Gen X videos are going up saying that you know we're soft. I'm like, dude, we drink out of a hose, man. Come exactly, on, exactly, exactly. Gen X. Did, look, we did our time. We're fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, but that's interesting. I, I'm, I'm, and the Mr. Pib is classic. I actually liked Mr. Pib a lot when I was growing up. I didn't, I didn't mind it. I mean, I was just having a little tongue in cheek, it's having just, a little fun. Everybody just needs to relax. It's all, it's all <laughs> fine. It's all Who fine. Cares? Everything's you got me fun. views, man. I'm famous. That's right. You're, you're now you're, you're insta famous. <laughs> insta famous. You're insta famous, oh and there's no, there ain't no goals. fame like insta fame. Yeah, gold. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So we got to talk about something less fun, and that's the Astros right now. <laughs> so we're just skirting the cut topic I know. here. The best thing about Monday was there was no game for the Astros to lose. <laughs> I mean, it's a we terrible could, we, thing. We to could say. all take a breath. We enjoy, we all had uh, a good Monday. Yeah, we're all like, oh, because I, I I feel like it was just. Oh, it was so hard to watch those games. And I know it was the end of a long road trip, and I get it. I know that must be really difficult and the end of just 17 straight days of, of playing. Mm-hmm. But, man, this team has just looked uninspired. I mean, what was it, five five losses in six games in the last six or something like that? Just a, yeah. just a very bad stretch for the team. 
Um, what did, what did you see from them? I mean, was it was it a lot of it was fatigue or like what was going on? No, I think it was a little bit of fatigue. You know, you go up into Toronto and four game series. I can't even begin to explain to you like a three game series mentally, physically, you're prepared. <clears throat> That fourth day, for whatever reason, seems like you've been in a place for a month. I don't know if it, you know, it's like dog years when you get to that fourth game for whatever reason. And, uh, you know, Toronto's a great spot. The smoke wasn't bad. I don't know what was going right. on up there, but everything was great. They played a beautiful first game, but it was very similar to that Milwaukee series where yeah. you just pound the hell out of them. And then you kind of show up the next couple of days and you're going, oh my gosh, what happened to our mojo? Uh, but you ran into Kevin Gosman and mm-hmm. some good pitching. Man, Jose Barrios, man, he looked great. So all of a sudden, the Blue Jays look like a team that they can hit, but you get worn down a little bit. And that was a kind of a hot, I mean, I don't think it was high intensity, but there was definitely a little more emphasis on that Toronto series because they are such a good team. Then you get into Cleveland and, you know, you, you, you do okay in the first game and then you just kind of, you go, that first game in Cleveland took the life out of them. That was mm-hmm. a 14 inning. Uh, took the craziness. life out of everybody. But it was so it was such a roller coaster ride, and to have a team come back on you five times in one game, I mean, there's a kick in the nuts, and yeah. then there's just a kick in the throat, and I mean that one just kind of took the life out of him because you took basically every twenty all twenty six guys on that roster, yeah. put them in a meat grinder, and said let's show up tomorrow and play, and it makes it kind of tough, you know. I give Belak and JP France a lot of credit because they grinded out those starts, trying mm-hmm. to keep their team into it. There were just wasn't enough, and I think after that. That first game coming up, you know, that first game in Cleveland is what wiped them out. Just those next two games, it was almost as if they looked at Monday and said, just get us there. And it took forever because yeah. that was a four-hour game, three-hour game, two-and-a-half-hour game. And I think that they were just smoked by the end of it. I think it was exhausting. Um, and I don't blame those guys. I was exhausted. I was just watching and talking. Right. And, of course, on Sunday they had to start early because Cleveland got worried about their, Yeah, they're worried about rain. And so they start the game early. But still, it's an early start after – I mean, it's just – That's a yeah, quick turnaround. It seems like a, a really exhausting – And we, I, think I, I think I texted you during that 14-inning game. I was like, oh. Holy crap! After little after hours in Cleveland, like this, (laughs) that doesn't sound like much fun at all. And I mean, yeah, it just feels like the Astros right now are a little bit snake bit. You know, uh, when it comes to when it comes to some of these games, they just. They just don't. There's that. They're, they're mojo. there, but there's just they don't. They're not putting it over the top, right? There's like some missing yeah. mojo or something, and, and of course, obviously, we have to min- mention the giant elephant in the room, and that is yeah. Jordan's oblique mm. discomfort, as we as uh, we like well, to it's say, a little more than discomfort. Yeah, well, that's the thing. We have no timetable on his return. They basically said they they can't even really figure it out for for like a week or whatever. I mean, it's he's going to be out a while. I don't think there's any question he's going to miss some time. Yeah, well, you know the obliques. I have I have too much experience with this, but I know with the oblique, if you feel it a little bit of a tweak, it's one of those muscles that you completely shut down. You don't say, "Okay, I'll see if I I'll, I'll wake up tomorrow and see how it is." You sit there and you go. You hit the brakes and you mm. shut down. You don't swing because there's so much torque going on in that torso that if you do mm. feel that tweak, it leads to a worse tweak the next day. So you completely shut the guy down. So I understand that. That's very similar to what they did to Jose Altuve. Fortunately, his was only a four or five day deal right. where he was able to say, "Okay, that was just a little that was concerning, but I'm fine." Yeah. This is this is this is pain, and if you have the pain, you completely shut it down, give it a week to rest, and then you see where you're at. But uh, oblique. 
obliques are the, that is one of the muscles in a hitter's body, even a pitcher's body. That's you mm-hmm. really have to protect. And when you have a guy the caliber of Jordan Alvarez, you say, yeah. "I'll sacrifice two to three weeks right here to avoid the four to eight weeks." in later in the season or two weeks from now, that would be really, really be awful. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It just, it blows when your team is so not good offensively. Mm-hmm. And I say, I say well, not good. And I'm being polite really at the moment. The first, the first two games in uh, Cleveland, I was actually pretty impressed because a brain yeah. showed up and they scored yep. six runs in nine, in, you know, both games back to back in mm-hmm. uh, regulars in the regular nine innings in the first game, they scored six runs in the second game. They scored six runs. So you're kind of going, okay, if we score five to six with this rotate or this pitching staff, we should be all mm-hmm. right. But there was a combination of not having enough pitching depth. Right. I, it's it's a very complicated, obviously, equation with this team. I, I sometimes, too, look at it and think, you know, there's a balance that's just off somehow. Like mm-hmm. they have they have uh, too many at one, at one place, too few at other places. There's certain types of bats they have, others they don't. Um, you know, I... It, we there's been some talk. Obviously, Dana Brown has said they're they're interested in getting a bat, perhaps at the at the trade deadline. Um, they one of the things he said is very specific. He's like he'd like a left-handed bat for a guy that can play multiple positions in the infield and outfield. Well, good luck with that one. I mean, there's only a handful of those guys. Period. But also, when you add in the fact that the as somebody put it, the playoff expanded playoffs are working. Right, there are mm-hmm. lots of teams competing to be an expanded playoffs. That's a, that, that's it's good for fans, but it's tough for GMs. Yes, exactly. I mean, because the, who's going to be selling? Right, coming come, come the trade deadline. Uh, I'm the not Royals, sure. Tigers, and right. A's. Uh, A's. <laughs> yeah, that's basically it. And and like so, you start to wonder. Okay, if those are the only, and they don't have that much to offer, right? So mm-hmm. you start wondering. You know, where are they going to go for this? Is it even realistic to hope for that? Um, I do think that we've got a couple of teams this week that could be on the Nationals who are who are not good. They're at the bottom of the NL East. This could be a good homestand if these guys are healthy and raring to go. Yeah, and the Mets too. Like the Mets are really struggling because oh, they gosh. have so many injuries. Drama. Um, yeah, exactly. So, I, you know, but with the Astros, I just think when you're looking at it right now, I don't know if you you make a dramatic move. I don't even know if they have the the bullets in the gun to be able to pull off a dramatic move, but it does mm-hmm. feel like they need something um, because it feels like they're kind of mired in in this sort of <laughs> starts thinking of Austin Powers like this, it's a kind of malaise. It's like it's like I feel like yeah. uh, you know Doctor Evil talking. About it. It's the kind of malaise. What did well, he say? Like, the, well, it was, it was just the thirty year anniversary of that. So good. Call. Yeah, I know. So I feel that like movie coming out. His his father, you know, used to he used to invent, uh, make outrageous claims like he invented the question mark. Um, so, <laughs> you know, he would accuse chestnuts of being insolent. Um, so it's like, yeah, I feel like I feel like they're in this kind of malaise this right now. And I, obviously, we're getting in the heart of summer, which does not mm-hmm. help because you know you've had these long road, these long stretches. It, you've been in these situations before, Blummer. Like, how do you how do you gear yourself up and like get yourself motivated for these? you know, dead middle of the summer kind of times when you are struggling and you're trying to figure it out, what, do you just keep going at it or do you make changes? How do you handle it? 
Um, you can make changes. You know, it, it, the hardest part is when you get, you know, it's like a relationship too. How do you spice it up? You know, you got to start getting creative. You got to start uh, trying some different things. Uh, I was a big fan of changing my hair color every once in a while. You know, whatever it takes, you just got to add a little bit of juice to it to try and invigorate maybe a little more creative creativity or get, you know, try something different in your swing. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there's all kinds of things you can do, but you are definitely, it feels like the dog days have kind of snuck up on us yeah. a little bit, but it's a combination of things. And there's a lot of things that can be attributed to it. It's, you know, it's injuries, it's mm. a length of a road trip, the timing of the road trip, who you're playing, um, how are they feeling coming in? Because if, if that team falters and you recognize a weakness and you can take advantage of it, you get invigorated by that. And that could be a situation here with the Nationals and the Reds coming in. Uh, that you can act, take advantage of some bad teams. Um, you're at home, thankfully, and this is an extended homestand too, because you're going to have ten uh, days. What do we got? Yeah, we got ten days at home with the you know with two days off wrapped around it before another very yeah. long road trip. So hopefully yeah. that invigorates these guys a little bit. And uh, you know you're heading into the end of June, and then July hits, and you're going okay. Now where are teams? You get a better idea of where you're at. And I think one thing that should really perk up, not just Houston Astro fans, but also the team. The Rangers haven't run away with this thing. No. They're playing some tough teams and they're getting beat and they just mm-hmm. lost to the Angels. So you're starting to see some chinks in the armor of the uh, Texas Rangers yeah. and they're starting to show some wear and tear also. So you can kind of look across the way and go, okay, we're, we're not as good as we want to be. We have the potential to get healthy, maybe a big trade, mm-hmm. and we can still get these guys in a series because if they're at three, back three and a half games and you go into the end of July and you're facing the Rangers four times, you look at a sweep and you could be back in first place. So that's yeah. where you kind of look at, you start looking ahead a little bit and going, okay, we got a chance. We got this. If we can just maintain our strength, uh, pick up some key wins here and there, and you'll be all right. But yeah, just it's hard. This is a tough time of season, June, July, and you know, I wouldn't say August and September, but June, July are tough months. I agree with you. I, you know, you know, Blummer, when you started out that conversation saying that you spice things up, it's like a relationship. And then you mentioned your hair color. I wondered where that conversation was going. And then I realized you were talking about playing baseball. Baseball. And I was yeah. pretty. I was pretty glad because I was concerned. Yeah, I'm not going to do that on TV. I can't. <laughs> number, there's a number of things that go into that. Number one, I've been married for more than 20 years, so you know I've lost a lot of responsibility of for my own well-being. Um, and then number number two, I'm on TV. <laughs> I can't, do, can't make the drastic moves on TV, man. <laughs> you got it. That's right. You can't change up your hair color anymore. That's it. Oh, yeah. you can, well, you don't have to wear a tie now. At least you've got Thank that God. going for Baby you. Steps. Baby steps. That is exactly right. So um, looking ahead, we just talked about it here. We've got the Nationals, you know, the Reds and the Mets. The Reds are playing pretty good baseball. They're um, exciting. They've got yeah. some good ball players, man. And Ellie. Isn't it Ellie? Is Ooh, that his name? Ellie. Ellie. Oh, that kid is crazy. Like I yeah. saw that first home run he hit like out of the stadium. Like what? Basically. Ooh. I mean, just super exciting. So I think it'll be fun, but look, I think this is you're right. This is the time you got to pounce on some of these guys. Like the Nats are not mm-hmm. good, the Mets are not good, and the Mets. Look, let's be honest. As much as everybody was predicting they would be good, nobody predicted they would have this many injuries. I mean, they've really yeah. struggled with injury with well, the injury bug. The guys they were signing were, I mean, they're not old timers, but they're old. Well, they've it, got no, histories, and you've and we've said this before. You don't buy teams. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you cannot buy. No, you just can't. You've got to have a, you can't just buy a bunch of free agents and expect them all to just win. It doesn't work that way really. Um, so yeah, I, I think this is, this is a, a group of teams, especially the nationals where they've just got to, they got to come down on them. You know, like Michael Jordan always used to make the thing about, you know, once you're on top of them, you just got to slit their throat and get it over with, which is a terribly mm-hmm. morbid way of putting it. But that's really, I think that's what the Astros have got to do. No, they've got to go out there. They've kind of lost that edge a little bit, but I'm with you in the sense that maybe this day off will kind of invigorate them a little bit, get the fans. I mean, the fans have been showing up at the stadium, 35,000 plus every single night. So if you can start to dazzle them a little bit, get them behind you, I think it'd be a lot of fun. But if you can get some key guys in this lineup, because Dubon's been raking, Mm -hmm. um, you're not going to have the power of Jordan, but at the same time, if you play a good team game of getting on base and then getting that big hit, then you're going to be all right. So hopefully that that entire concept of we can do this without Mm -hmm. Jordan, then you might see that edge come back a little bit. Well, and also you see him stealing more bases. They they took mm-hmm. more risks. Oh my on the gosh! Base they pass. abused poor Mike Zanino up there in Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, they, oh my they gosh! They sure did. And and like the, as as was mentioned, I think uh, Chandler Rowe mentioned it in his column. Uh, the Astros have two guys that are on pace for twenty steals this year. I know. The last time they did that was like 2015. twenty fifteen. No, twenty it was twenty sixteen because <laughs> it was Altuve and Marisnik. Was the last time that happened? Oh damn! How about so, that? That's so an interesting it's been, stat. It's been it's been a while. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, when you look at it, they they've got Corey Jolks on pace. For Dude, Jolksy Cat just getting after it, Listen, man. I am. Well, I've told you before. I'm such a huge fan of Corey Jolks. Corey Jolks and Yonder Diaz right now. I I just love both of them because I think that it's that injection of that youthful energy. There's something about that 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 just mm-hmm. you know. There's a style they, of play. There's yeah. yeah. There's an urgency to their game that's just different from guys who've been around. And nothing against the guys that have been around and are really good. It's just there's something about that sort of like, but hey. This is, this is what you just talked about in the middle of summer. What can we do? What can right. we adjust? And all of a sudden, you got you got a hungry guy in Corey Jolks. Yes. You've got Yiner Diaz going, hey, I want an opportunity. And here you go. And there's two guys in there that could inv- you know kind of invigorate this lineup and kind of go, oh, hey, these guys are doing it. I need, I need to step up. Yeah, I'm surprised Jake Myers hasn't stolen more bases, uh, considering how fast that guy is. You would think he would get after the base paths. Maybe he will now. I don't know. This is going to sound terrible, but also the position in the lineup. Well, yeah, that's... Because if you... I'd rather... I would... Man, I would... (laughs) This is maybe just the manager hat on. I would rather have him get thrown out stealing than have a double play. Well, because if he steals the bag, he's in scoring position or Maldi right. can move him over or even drive him in with the base hit. Right. I know. You're right. You're right. I mean, and that is the uncomfortable, continued uncomfortable conversation about Martin. Yeah. Sorry, I'm chewing on a piece of ice um, about Martin Maldonado and the fact that he's just an absolute black hole in the lineup. As good well, as he's he is reverted. He had such a good stretch in the, early, or the later part of May. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's, let's be honest, he's kind of regressed to the mean. I mean, Maldi yeah. hasn't really been a good hitter the last two or three seasons. Um, he's got power, but it, when he doesn't connect, he doesn't connect a lot. He strikes out a lot, um, you know, and it's a problem. And I feel like the fact that Yiner is getting more time in there at DH in particular, he's going to get more time now that Jordan is out. 
um, now that they've brought well, Salazar back up. Well, that's the reason back Salazar's back up, too. Right, I, I exactly. Really, I mean, it's a left-handed bat, yes, but it's protection to get Yiner in there a little more often. Yeah, They've got to get him in there more often because he just is a, he's just a very good hitter. Um, they've mm-hmm. got to get him more at-bats because the more he's at-bats... He's a threat. He is a threat. And I think that also, look... Nobody wants to talk about when you're a team that's contending or hopefully contending, you don't want to talk about what's coming, but this is your op- like you've got to get Yiner as many at bats as possible because it's I would say it's fairly likely that next year he becomes your starting catcher. And if mm-hmm. that's the case, it's then trending you, that way. Yeah, then you need him to get as many opportunities as you can right now because you don't want in next year when the Astros should be able to contend again given their talent level. You don't want that guy being in there as, as essentially a, a glorified rookie. Well, and as often as this team is in contention, I think it's good for some of these younger guys to get these at-bats through the yes. through the first four months of the season. So you get that experience. You build that uh, that database in your skull on how guys are pitching you. Yep. You're not overwhelmed by the moment. So when you do get into August and September, when you're starting to push for a pennant or push for a playoff spot, they're not overwhelmed by the situation. And then, of course, October comes around. The right. more at-bats, the more comfortable they're going to be in some of those tighter situations. It's interesting to me, too, I was thinking about this the other day about how the Astros have not just done a good job of finding talent and bringing it up and the guys like Jeremy Pena and and others. What's been really interesting to me is the guys they brought up don't seem to be afraid of the spotlight. Like you haven't seen guys come up and just wilt in the postseason. Honestly, last postseason, the guys that wilted were veterans, not ro- not young guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's really interesting to me that the guys they bring up Oftentimes are just like, all right, like they're, they're just not as affected by it as other people. It seems maybe some temperament, maybe just talent. Um, but I, you're right. They need to get those guys prepared for this. And I think that's a really good point you make about getting used to pitchers. I mean, how big a deal is that? Like for yourself, when you were playing, did you just feel better against guys once you had uh, hit against them a couple of times, two, three times? Or was mm-hmm. it, it or did it depend, obviously? Well, I mean, I'm, you're, you're going to get pitched well. You're going to get some mistakes, but at the same time, if I have a, if I have the more of an idea, um, I have in my head of how the at bat's going to go or wh- mm-hmm. how they're going to try and attack me, I will have a better chance of having a better at bat. You know, and that's where you kind of you kind of wait to see if they're going to adjust off what they've done. And it's and it's it's pitcher to pitcher, mm-hmm. it's situation to situation because right. you know there's certain guys that revert to uh, their their comfort zones when the, when uh, they're under pressure and you can start anticipating in that sense and it's also organizationally too a lot of these are you know the the atlanta braves they they fastball away on the corner early and then all of a sudden be soft stuff later in the in the at bat but you know all this experience and all of this knowledge helps you because you do take it you know at bat with nobody on base how are they going to approach me a a runner on first base i'm hitting left-handed how are they going to approach me runners on second and third less than two outs what are they going to throw where's the defense i mean there's a lot of factors that go into that so the more you're in that situation the quicker you think and the quicker you think the more comfortable you're going to be be able to react my gosh be able (laughs) to react yeah, I got well, excited there for a second. Hey, it was a day off yesterday. We're all yeah. <laughs> fired up. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, I think that's those are really good points about how that is. And it, I saw something too, Blummer. I wanted to get your thoughts on. There was a story in um, the Athletic. I guess it was last week about why strikeouts continue to rise 
in baseball. And mm. they took a very scientific analytic approach to it. And I thought it was pretty fascinating that essentially what they've determined through, you know, watching swings and I don't know what the hell they do. You know, it's, it's all science. You know, I don't know. It's like mm-hmm. whenever I hear that, I'm just confused generally. It's like, it's like somebody handing me a calculus equation. They can equation. get too deep. Yeah. Sometimes they can. But in this case, they came up with kind of a simple answer to this. And that is, yes, guys are swinging uh, for home runs. So there is more of an uppercut to swings, which definitely creates True. more swing and miss options. But they said it's not so much the uppercut as the fact that guys are swinging to hit the ball more in front of the plate than ever before. The yeah. idea being is that they swing early because so many pitches are fastballs um, that if they get into it late, uh, well, it's fine because if they get to it a little bit late, they can still hit the ball the other way. They can foul it off, whatever it is. But if they hit it on the screws, especially if they're out in front of the plate, there's a better chance of them driving it. And not necessarily for home runs, but just driving it generally. And so they said that what's creating a lot of swings and misses is anticipation. They're swinging a little bit faster and a little bit sooner than they maybe have in the past because they don't want to connect with the ball over the middle of the plate. They want to connect with it just out in front because that's where the sweet spot is for them. And I thought that was pretty fascinating analytics. I have no idea if it's true. They say it's true. It's they say it's science. I don't know mm-hmm. because I don't know crap. But I'm wondering, I'm curious about your thoughts on that as, a, as an opinion about swings and misses. Well, they never, you know, they never say anymore. Let the ball travel. Let the ball get deep. And that was one of those things that we 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 were instructed yeah. to do when we were playing, and we weren't facing a hundred miles an hour or ninety five plus as consistently as these guys are now. So this is a different generation of pitching, yeah. and. In order to drive the ball, shoot a gap, or even drive the ball out of the ballpark, yeah, you got to clip it out in front of home plate. And we always, you know, it's where that front foot is, is usually where contact is. And once you get that front foot down, it's the front of the plate normally. And that's where you're trying to clip that. Because if you do, if you're maximizing, you know, it's, uh, it's bat speed, it's, you know, where is the momentum, uh, you know, the peak speed of my swing is out in front of home plate because mm-hmm. I've got to take, you know, I've got to generate a three pound bat getting through the zone. I've got to get that thing started early. So if I can clip you, I'm going to clip you out in front, whether the ball's uh, high, middle, or low, but you've got to clip it out in front if you're going to generate the most velocity off the bat. I get that. But at the same time, I think that uh, the simple fact of pitching is pretty damn good these days. So the strikeouts are going to be up. So I'm going to anticipate my first two strikes of the at-bat. I'm going to try and go out there and jump somebody's ass by getting that getting that barrel out in front and getting those might be the two best pitches because once I get to that third strike, it could be power spin, it could be power mm-hmm. fastball up at the zone, and there's no two-strike approach anymore. Nobody puts the ball in play. There's very few Mauricio Dubons out there or Jose Altuve's or, you know, Corey Jolks and these guys that can actually like punch the ball around a little bit mm-hmm. and aren't afraid to let the ball get deep. So I think that's a combination of excellent pitching. Mm-hmm. Stuff is nastier than we've ever seen in our lives. And number two, there's no two-strike approach. That's interesting, the no two-strike approach. That kind of surprises me um, that guys are just like, well, it's two strikes, we're screwed. <laughs> Let's, uh, you know, on Hope to the next a mistake. One. Yeah, right? It's, it's a, that's a fascinating thing about baseball that I was not aware of. I'm sure a lot of people are not but it makes sense, you know. I mean, especially like you said, it's, you know, uh, I, I I think back to when, um, you know, to uh, Bull Durham 
And he's talking about the show. He's like, they've got exploding mm-hmm. breaking balls. I'm like, whatever. Yeah. It's like, I'm sure it's even worse now. And the spin rates on yeah. things, ever since spin rate came into the game, <clears throat> it really has changed so dramatically, you know, how people view pitching. Um, pitching was always, you know, a grinded out type of thing for long periods of time, right? Now, it's it's it, there's so much finesse involved in it there's so much placement involved in it um and so much of that spin rate it's kind of unbelievable how much it's changed really even even since you were a ball player which wasn't that long ago oh, yeah well <laughs> yes. i mean it feels like ages ago in, in, internally but uh uh pitchers are so we talk about analytics a lot we talk about video i think that video and analytics have benefited the pit, the modern day pitcher more than it has the hitters uh these rap soto machines the ability to slow it down to these you know minimum you know these millisecond of video frames where they can manipulate where their hand is on the baseball or how how their wow. curveball could fit into their arm angle and their release point um there's so much more data there to help these pitchers but then all of a sudden you say how do i increase my spin rate how do i how do i extend through the zone i mean there's so much more information that they're able to use and to their credit a lot of these organizations especially the astros maximize every ounce of data they get for their pitchers and that's why they're the best in baseball it's so wild. I mean, all that stuff. You really do need advanced degrees now to be mm. able to handle analytics. All right. So here's something a little more simple. I'm not sure if you've seen this, but the Oakland A's tonight, the fans are holding a reverse protest where they plan to fill the entire stadium with fans, the opposite of what is normally happening at the ballpark for them. A lot of them, they've already, they raised a bunch of money and they're, they've sold like something like 7,000 t-shirts that read, sell the team on them. <laughs> and let me tell you something. This is exactly the type of fan activism I can get behind. This is, mm-hmm. an ex- I mean, and you'd expect it in Oakland too. Of course. And what's great. I think that the, look, as someone who went through, um, the whole, like whether would they, or would they not leave with the rockets? And then yes, they did leave with the Oilers. Um, I can tell you that what fans do and how they respond in the moment is a critical component of what happens with teams. For example, with the Oilers, when they said they were going to leave, there's this famous video of like 10 people showing up at City Hall to say, please don't leave Oilers or whatever. It was sad and it became a narrative. It became a narrative. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter that the Oilers had a radically intense fan base. It was just that one moment in time was the narrative. And by the way, not just the like national narrative of what was described about the Oilers or whatever, but also the narrative for politicians who are, you know, they want to know what's going to get their toast buttered when it comes to, when it comes to the election. Gee, they're complicating things. Weird. I know. And so the Rockets, it was the same deal. When the second referendum came around, fans were involved. There was a push to local politicians. And guess what happened? That hmm. all of a sudden the politicians like, oh, people do care. Right. And there was a, I remember thinking there was a time I remember George Postolos, who was the president of operations for the Rockets at the time. He said that the narrative changed so quickly with politicians that prior to them, uh, you know, once they had lost that first referendum in 1999, they couldn't get a politician on the phone to talk to them. But after all the fans and everybody started chirping and saying, we want the team back. The politicians were calling them to discuss. Oh, wow. And that's, that's how things like that change. So I'm not saying the A's are going to suddenly force 
uh, Oakland to sell the team or do anything like this. But this is exactly the type of thing that changes those narratives. Yeah. And it's a different time. I mean, you've got social media, you've got too yes. many avenues for too many voices and the, the world of politics, good Lord, is is, yeah. is crazy as it is. Fraught. But, uh, you know, you, you kind of nailed it with the fact, what is, how does this benefit me? And not necessarily yep. in how does it benefit my constituents? You know, and I think right. that's where things have gotten kind of lost. Uh, so I think that's an excellent point by you. But at the same time, go A's fans. I mean, if, yes. if you have the opportunity and you have the creativity and you've got the momentum, use it, use it in the best possible way. Put the T-shirts on, show up. I know that a lot of the angst and hate is going towards the ownership. Keep it there. Right. Cheer your asses off for these right. players. Exactly. These players are stuck in the middle. The coaching staff is stuck in the middle. Your broadcasters are stuck in the middle. Cheer your brains out. Show those, show these players that you can support them and you do support them and you want them to stay in Oakland. I think that's the biggest thing. And uh, I can't wait to see what happens. I think it's very interesting to follow it online. I think the whole situation going on in Vegas is very interesting. And oh, yeah. it's exposing what the A's our A's the, the A's front office inability to have any kind of feel is or knowledge on the situation, it feels like. Well, it's just unbelievable that they would just be like, oh, yeah, we're going to move to Vegas, by the way. The, the, of like, course, <laughs> they'd love us down there. I asked this question a while ago. I'm like, does Vegas even want this organization? <laughs> does, I want, there are parts of me. It's like, does Vegas even know? Like, right? say, are they even aware that the A's are saying, hey, by the way, we're coming to Las Vegas? And uh, you can see the people in Las Vegas going, I'm sorry, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. What are you talking about, Willis? It's like, I can't even imagine like waking up one morning and you're the freaking, uh, you know, you're a bunch of politicians in, uh, in Las Vegas and you're like, huh, the ASA, they're moving to, <laughs> to Las Vegas. Yeah. Anybody heard this, about that? Yeah. And they're, well, and, and the truth is you're right. They fans cheer on the team. I mean, don't, it's, it's look, they're in as bad a spot as the fans are, quite frankly. They don't mm -hmm. know what to do. They're trapped, you know? Yeah. They're trapped. I remember seeing the Oilers when they were in their lame duck season. And, like, they were, you know, they didn't know what to do. They'd get interviewed. You know, Jeff Fisher was the coach. And he'd get interviewed, and he'd be like, I feel terrible for the fans, but what are you going to do? You know, it's like, in some ways, I feel like it was better when that when the team moved in the middle of the night, right, or whatever, just, <laughs> the Indiana, packed, Indiana yeah, culture, whatever, just yeah. packed up packed up all their stuff and just moved out in the middle of the night. <laughs> Seemed like a, maybe a better way to do it than just avoid all this awfulness. But, yeah, go A's fans. I'm totally – I'm 100% behind it. Also, we would be remiss if we did not mention the fact that Fox 26, local sportscaster Mark mm -hmm. Berman, retired last night, his final broadcast – um, Berman been around for decades. He's essentially the insider in Houston. I remember one time uh, I was at a, a press conference at the Toyota Center. I don't remember what it was for. It was years ago. And uh, I saw that on his Twitter feed that he had that day, he was there, of course, that he had been at Minute Ma or that he had been at Minute Maid. He had been at the University of Houston and at the airport. Like <laughs> somebody at the airport, mm -hmm. the guy was relentless. I mean, just relentless for decades. And so good for him for finally getting to retire. I mean, I didn't, I didn't think the day would ever come. 
<laughs> to be honest, because of what you just said. I mean, the dude was a hustler. He's what uh, I give him credit for is that's probably how he started. And that's how he's going to finish is being that hustler. So, you know, uh, great career. Uh, he was a Houston sports, I, I wouldn't say icon, but he was definitely legend legend in that sense that he knew everything was plugged into everything he scooped everybody it felt yes. like on every situation which was remarkable uh yet he still kept his wits about him to be able to give me a fist pump every day that i've seen him as a player and as a broadcaster so yeah. mark berman all the best to you i know he's still got a daughter in the business who I, i've talked mm-hmm. to every once in a while so his 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 roots are, are dug deep into the city of houston and the sports industry so he's earned the retirement hopefully he's able to enjoy it and not make those phone calls and get those scoops out there too often because i know yeah. he's going to have the itch but oh, at the same sure. time all the best yeah all the best yeah to Mark. I, just, I i just i love that he even got a scoop on like his last day reporting that kelvin sampson had signed a new contract got the extension like it's, yeah it's just it's just i mean the guy is the guy's amazing he's realized i did not get to know him at all i actually the last time i was up at the astros game i saw him and i introduced myself and told him i really appreciated everything he had done um it's he's just what a career you know i mean mm-hmm. there's certain i i it's funny i was at a, a mayoral uh, candidates forum last night uh that was my wife works for the opera and it was a candidates forum on the arts and so we went and linda laurel was the host of course linda laurel was on channel two for like forever so these people become a part when you're in in a city for a long time and you're around local news they become a part of sort of your everyday life and uh and you know so it's 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 cool to see them get a chance to take off on their own uh terms finish the way they want great absolutely one more thing before we get going uh did you see the the ut stanford uh, what God. happened during the- <laughs> I freaking so, hate Stanford. I mean, are you kidding me? UT loses out on a chance to go to the College World Series because they lost the ball in the lights on a walk-off. Boo. Uh, Boo. I know. Of course you hate Stanford, Blummer. You're hate, from Cal. Hate Stanford. <laughs> exactly. And go it was just, Bears. And it was just so... So awful. The kids from UT are just, ugh. Well, the kids from UT, I know uh, Stevie Rodriguez is on their coaching staff. Woody Williams is on their coaching staff. I think Tula Witzke. Damn. Are you kidding me? You get to that point and that's how you lose that game. It's unbelievable that, you know, oh man, for, and this is my conspiracy theorist hate of Stanford mm. is that they time yeah, that game it. perfectly to be in a situation where that's their home field advantage somehow, some way they're like, well, if we get a pop up and the, it does, you know, there's some, I don't know. I hate Stanford. <laughs> <laughs> the lovers hate all over the place, man. Hate, it's like yeah. it's like They're me and the U- mascot's a tree. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? It's like me and the Utah Jazz. This is going to yeah. get me started. Oh, on the that entire one. city of Houston, Ooh. Vernon Maxwell, and us against the Utah yeah. Jazz. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, that was it. If you haven't seen the video, go online and look it up. It's I terrible mean, though because you can see the two horrible. outfielders just going, "Oh my, what?" Oh. They don't know, and then they're just afterwards. Back. They're just like, "Oh, what?" I mean, happened? there's backbreaking losses. That was soul crushing. That was just, oh, I was that one hurt. And I'm not even a U. I mean, I went to UT for a year, so I guess I consider me somewhat of a part of that or of, of that college. But 
I didn't care that much about it. And then I saw it and I'm like, oh, I hurt for them. Well, mm-hmm. Blummer, uh, U.S. Open is this weekend, buddy. And, You're damn uh, right it is. And Let's here's go. The, here's the thing, though. It's at the Beverly Hills Country Club. Have you read no, no, anything no. about L- this L- place? L.A. Country Club. Los LA Angeles Country. Country Club. Yeah. Have you read anything about this? I mean, this place is insane. Like, they didn't allow minorities or Jewish people until, like, the 80s. Women up until, like, 15 years ago had to wear skirts. And the Playboy Mansion is on the 13th hole. What uh, the dude, Richie's house is on there somewhere, too, man. No. And, by the way, they are this famous show. for... They are famous for never allowing celebrities to play on the golf course, ever. Love it. Like, nobody. Like, in fact, Bing Crosby bought a house on the golf course specifically so he could get membership, and they were like, nope, no celebs. <laughs> that is a crazy – I read this story about it today. Well, and everybody I was like, makes all this fun about Augusta being this, like, oh, you know, this impenetrable <laughs> fortress. How about L.A. Country Club? <laughs> Nothing compared to – now, they're loosening it up now fairness, in, in fairness to them, which they probably should because apparently the course is incredible. It's like yeah. in, it's like through canyons and sh- and shit. I mean, it sounds like it's going to be unbelievable. No, you like drive through Wilshire Boulevard and you're like, wait a minute, there's a golf course behind those trees. I mean, yeah. I grew up in Southern California and I was like, I had no idea this place even existed. A couple of guys have said the biggest concern for them is how the hell are they going to get there because of all the traffic yeah. and everything. I mean, it's traffic right in the parking middle of the four LA. fives right there. It's miserable. <laughs> See, but well, go. you know, go. You know, you've been mm-hmm. there. I mean, it's gonna. It should be fun. I'm very interested to watch a little bit of it, just because no one plays there. Like no one plays. Mm-hmm. It's going to be new to everybody. It's going to be new to yep. spectators. Well, the last, it's I be think new the last golfers. time they said the U.S. Open was played there was back in the '50s. <laughs> yes, that is correct. Now yeah. they have had a couple of smaller like tournaments there, not PGA, but like uh, I think LPGA had a tournament there, mm-hmm. and a couple of smaller Some qualifiers things. and stuff yeah, like qualifiers. That, yeah. But basically, no one plays there. Unless mm-hmm. you're like a you know a wealthy person in Los Angeles who has a connection, so it's just yeah. weird. I love the fact that one of the golfers said when he played there on that course, I forget who it was, said that occasionally you'd play that 13th tee. Uh, he said the best time to play was on a Sunday morning because there would be people passed out around the pool at the play point. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? By the way, so Hugh good. Hefner. Also denied access to the to the golf. He actually asked them if he could get a gate that opened him, and they denied it. They're like, no, no, you cannot have no, a gate. Could you imagine you the riffraff of the big falling out of that oh, gate? Oh, oh, oh. Falling out is the appropriate way of putting it, too, because <laughs> there would be a lot <laughs> of things falling out around the, mm-hmm. around the Playboy Mansion. All right, Blummer. Uh, let's see. So you're back at it tonight. Back on mm-hmm. the call. Um, what do you are you? I've been meaning to ask you this for a while. Are there times before, like, are there any times before games where you're like, I've got to slip this in one way or the other? Like, you just have to get yeah. something into the broadcast. I mean, th- there are moments. Um, there, well, th- there are moments, and I, I have these flashes of brilliance maybe in the middle of the afternoon, and I completely forget them. And you know, when game time comes around, because there's so much information just inundated right. <clears throat> into our shows, and there's 75,000 elements we've got to get into our show. So it's yeah. kind of hard to mix it in there. And that's why, like, Weird Word Wednesday sometimes creates a little bit of an issue because I have to legitimately create an avenue to get the word in because there's nothing else leading me to it. Um, but uh, no, the only man, I got Todd the other day. Um, I think it was when Gray Kessinger just got called up. And I, and you, you know, I said something like hottie toddy in reference to Ole Miss. 
And then I said, I didn't, I did. I said something to the effect of, and no, I'm not talking about my partner. <laughs> and, and he kind of, he kind of folded right there real quick. And I was like, yes, I got him, you know? So yeah, every once in a while, I, I think more about it. I, you know, I'm going to try and be a, a little more proactive on, I need, you know what you I need? Should. I need a, need a notebook and I need to yep. write it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You need to talk about the Dr. Pepper ice cream. I think should yeah. definitely make an appearance. Um, also, I have one for you that I found. I, something I, I posted a while back. I know this is more used in the NBA <clears throat> than baseball, but the term ball don't lie is something I've always loved because there's Say something great. Ball don't lie. You know, oh, the yeah. idea that, you know, if, if something happens and then, you know, something good happens after you're like ball don't lie. So a few years ago, somebody was saying, come up with weird, you like, uh, terms for things that are colloquialisms like ball don't lie, but in a way that doesn't, that's more that people have to guess what you're actually saying. So mine was, uh, orb issues obfuscation, which is basically, oh. Oh. <clears throat> I was like, yeah, orb issues obfuscation. I was like, ball don't lie. So yeah. I, was, I thought that's a that one that I'm off the tongue. It does. It's fantastic. <clears throat> so I've been thinking that's my, my thing lately is I'm going to start looking up weird little phrases uh, well, and start you, uh, other, we other had a broadcast there. a little while back where uh, it was after <clears throat> Julia went. I think it was a Saturday night. She went to Janet Jackson. Right. The next, and your wife the went. Next day, the, the whole, oh, yeah. My the wife whole, was there. They had a great time. Went, right? So it was yeah. Callis's wife. And uh, yeah. the next day I was, you know, I, I I think I put in there Rhythm Nation. I was going to say the Rhythm Nation has to go titles. in there. Yeah, yeah. you got to do it. You got to be, you know, this, that the easiest way is goes, um, if somebody's hitting lanes, be like, man, he's part of the Rhythm Nation. Mm -hmm. gotta, well, and, and it was gotta, like during the, when the Astros scored a bunch of runs, I go, yeah, it just seems like these guys are all a part of the Rhythm Nation <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. I'll, I'll I mean, try and get easiest, song titles in there. The easiest one is what have you done for me lately? I mean, that's the yeah. easiest one to get in there. But Rhythm Nation is solid. That's mm -hmm. a good, I always, that's, that's what I always tell whenever I wear a jacket where the shoulders are a little big, I'm like, listen, I'm just part of the rhythm nation. <laughs> Cause that like video, <laughs> that video, yep. that's great. Blummer song. I remember there was some broadcast years ago where somebody worked in all of the lyrics to hotel California into the oh, entire dang. game. Yeah. They're like, you know, the, the champagnes on the pink champagnes on ice. They're just prisoners of their own device. You know, they just, oh, I forget who it was, but it was somebody worked them all in. It was like kind of a famous. So yeah, I mean, anytime you can that's work strong. in some song lyrics, I'll, uh, that's awesome. I'll be, I'll keep an eye out for it. I've, I always think it's funny if somebody, you know, like uh, can slip that in. Mm -hmm. uh, especially with it. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, we will be back on Friday ahead of my vacation, by the way. Next week, <laughs> next week, Blummer, I will be doing this from the beach. So my, my plan is to be on the deck with the water at my back. Uh, Just doing having the, the ocean lapping at your That's rear end. right. Doing a nice little podcast. Maybe I'll have a fresh <laughs> beverage with me. <laughs> that is absolutely my plan. So, uh, but we'll have another podcast later this week on Friday, brought to you by Bet Online. A big thanks to all our listeners and viewers all over the place. And again, all over the world. Lots of, you know, just like you said, Austria, Canada, mm -hmm. uh, England, uh, Australia. Good day. We are Mate. expanding our horizons. We are doing everything we possibly can. Uh, you guys are great. Liking, subscribing, and commenting. Send us more questions. We love it. Super thankful for everybody. So have a great week. We'll see you on Friday. And as always, go Astros.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.